sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, Ashley Frasca here. Good Saturday morning. I feel like I have been everywhere in North Georgia, yet I land right back here on a Saturday morning. And I'm back in the studio tomorrow. Kind of crazy. Hosting the weekly checkup. Yeah, it's a doctor show. I do a little bit of everything. The weekly checkup tomorrow from 3 to 5. But let me tell you about my week. It has been such a fun week. I got to go to the Marietta National Cemetery about a week and a half ago to see some of the Georgia arborists do their best work all in the name of giving back to the community on the day saluting branches, which is a national day for people to help national cemeteries throughout the country donate their time for beautification projects, for safety projects. So that was really fun. So let's see, Marietta, that's closest to my house. Went to the Duluth Fall Festival right after the show last Saturday. Found myself up in the Brazelton area yesterday for the Toys for Tots golf tournament at Chateau Alain. That was a great time. No, I don't golf. But 266 golfers put together their foursomes, showed up on the course, had a fantastic day. Yeah, it was a little warm, but all in the name of charity. Again, Toys for Tots. And through the COVID year last year, had over 180 golfers in the same tournament, and they helped provide over 700,000 Christmas gifts to children in North Georgia. So that was pretty fantastic. So let's see, Marietta, Duluth, Brazelton, Went up to um, Blairsville earlier in the week. Becky Griffin with the University of Georgia. You've heard her on the show before. She tells us about the great Georgia pollinator census every year. We did that back in August. But I finally got to go to her in Blairsville at the Georgia Mountain Research and Education Center. So there's kind of an extension of the University of Georgia up in Blairsville and some of the neat things they're doing. There's a staff of seven to eight people, but occasionally grad students will go up there. People from other universities will visit. They're doing some amazing work, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. A little later in the month, I'm going to be doing a little feature, a little story on Becky and everybody up there and kind of the things they're doing. And then today I'm going down to Fayetteville. So it is just kind of like putting the miles on the car. Got a notification today. My brake pads are low. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. So I'm driving carefully. But all that to say, if you know of some fantastic people, they don't even have to be gardeners, but doing some amazing things in the outdoor realm, in the gardening realm, I would love to hear about it because I could go interview them they could teach me something. I could pass it along to all of you. We could learn from some really neat things people are doing. They're motivated to do. They're inspired to do. So reach out to me on the Green and Growing Facebook page. That is where I love to hear from you. Just on Facebook, search Green and Growing WSB, and you find the page, like it, follow it. And we uh, we do a lot of very good fodder back and forth. One of the most recent things I posted is in addition to the Highway Horticulture photo album. I have a Weed of the Week photo album and a Highway Horticulture photo album. Try to add photos maybe once a week of common things you're seeing. Now, they're not necessarily things I'm recommending. Obviously, I'm not recommending, ooh, this weed's really pretty. I want you to put it in your yard. But it's for identification purposes. So recently, I had uh, Mahonia. I added that to the Highway Horticulture 
album and and people kind of lost their minds a little bit they're like oh this is invasive it spreads it's terrible but at least i'm helping people identify it right it's kind of an upright evergreen shrub and it's got like the the most show-stopping thing coming up in the next couple of weeks will be these bright yellow colored candlelight clusters that are upright from the top of the shrub and that's kind of how you identify it the leaves are pretty they're symmetrical along the stem um but yeah pretty invasive it drops seed and all of that kind of thing so definitely some things to follow and learn on the Green and Growing Facebook page. So I told you about my visit with Becky Griffin. Absolutely loved my visit to Blairsville. And if any of you could ever arrange it, I think it's possible to be a part of tours up there, over 400 acres, apple orchards, which is pretty amazing. Now there was one frost, one kind of late frost or freeze at the end of April, I believe. And that bit a lot of the blooms on the apple trees, which means less apples. And sure enough, I have seen some of the orchards up in the LJ and Blue Ridge area put out on their social media. You know, if you're coming apple picking for a few weekends, it's not going to last as long into October as they would like um, because of that late freeze. So that's unfortunate. So I didn't really get to see any apples on the trees up in Blairsville, but still beautiful nonetheless. I want to talk to you a little bit about an interesting email I received from the National Initiative for Consumer Horticulture. And I don't know how many of you right now are considering maybe putting your house up on the market or you're looking, you're home shopping, you're looking. Um, But when you are a seller right now, the landscape return on investment is super, super high. So you may have realtors tell you different things. You know, yes, the upgrades and updates to bathrooms and kitchens, those are all things that buyers are looking for. But the return on investment of a hardscape or landscaping projects can raise the value of your property and ensure more interest from home buyers. They love the idea of just moving into a home that's established and ready to go. Even the last six years, just home sales escalating, especially in the southeast. A lot of you are familiar with that because the prices have gone up. So according to realestate.com in this article, for every dollar spent on upgrading a backyard or an outdoor space, a homeowner can expect to get back anywhere from $0.60 cents to $2 on the dollar. So with up to 14% added to the home's resale value, if you have a half a million dollar home, that's $75,000 that you've just increased the value. So landscapes not only provide curb appeal, but a sense of community values, part being part of the neighborhood, and an introduction to the homeowner's personal style and the future value of the home's marketability. Again, putting sustainable things in the landscape, perennials maybe, trees and shrubs, even you know something that's native too, that's really going to ensure a healthy population of the pollinators and the birds in the area and attract the wildlife that you want, maybe not deer of course, but the things that you want to see, going to make that home a lot more marketable. So isn't that interesting? 404-872-0750 is the number. I do want to hear from you. I do want to talk to you, answer your questions. We certainly have some time. As all of you know, Walter Reeves comes up at the bottom of the hour. And we had Clint Waltz on the show two or three weeks ago and talked a lot about pre-emergence, putting those herbicides down to prevent winter weeds. And Walter and I are going to be having a very similar conversation. It is getting late, but I think this is one of those things better late than never. If you're still on the fence about whether or not to put a pre-emergence herbicide down in your lawn, it can be warm season turf, it can be cool season turf, just getting that down and at least knocking back 
it could be 30%, it could be 50%, 60% of the weeds that will germinate through the winter time. So that's going to still be something that's key to do. And Walter has some other pieces of advice for you, I'm sure, that are going to be key tips for your lawn right now and making it all ready to go. That way you do the work now. You're going to be relaxing through the winter time, And in spring, you're going to be combating a lot less weeds. Now, I had to make the difficult decision. Uh, we had great a great fescue lawn about two years ago at my house. And going through some dry spells, not watering when we should have. Um, and then moles. I have moles tunneling through the yard. And I have now for about three or four years. And I stomp the tunnels down. I look like a complete fool when I'm out there with a push mower jumping up and down on these tunnels. I don't know what my neighbors think of me. But that's really the best way to redirect those moles is stomp the tunnels down, crush the tunnels down. But even when I was mowing a few days ago and the ground was dry, it was still hard to push that mower through where the tunnels were because it's, you know, very uneven grass. So I, I found it best to collapse the tunnels first and then mow. But that's loosening up all of the roots because they don't tunnel very deep. So they're pushing all of the roots and the dirt up when they create the tunnels. And so what fescue lawn we had is completely gone. So I had to make the decision, okay, well, you know, yeah, I've got more weeds than grass at this point, and the weeds, of course, sustain the moles and the drought and everything else. Cudweed is one of the worst that I have. Dayflower is another one. I don't know if any of you have come along with dayflower, but it's got a very thick stem that kind of crawls a little bit, and the only redeeming quality is it has this delicate little tiny blue flower. Oh, that's beautiful. But it's like, it's so rewarding. Once you grab one stem and then just the whole thing comes up with it. It's like, oh, wow, you, you can really get a good clump of that and get the roots up. But it spreads by seed, of course. So it's gotten ahead of me. So I actually weeded a little bit by hand some of the cudweed and the dayflower before I even mowed. Just because I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'd rather have these bare spots once I mow everything down, have the bare spots. And I'm definitely going to have to aerate and seed. So I'm going to do that instead of a pre-emergence herbicide. I'm going to go ahead and choose to do the fescue seed baby that, water that properly an inch a week at least during the establishment period. So I really want to make sure I'm out there every two or three days with a sprinkler. Let it soak in really, really deeply. If that means an hour or two per day, then that's what it's going to take. Um, and then for the weeds that I've got, I'm either going to continue just manual removal or use a post-emergent herbicide for sure. 404 872 is the number to get into Green and Growing right now. And Denny from Auburn, I'm talking about weeds, and you've got a question about them, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I've got a lot of, I guess you call it mimosa, that's growing and it's taking over my lawn, and I need to know how to get rid of that. It's it's that, I, I think it's called mimosa. So do you know what a mimosa tree looks like when it gets yeah. the pretty, you know, fluffy yeah. pink flowers? So, yeah, the weed looks right. a lot like that where it's kind of a little bit of a feathery um, right. a yeah. feathery, yeah. So sometimes it does get to be too much. So you have to do a properly timed pre-emergent before you even start to see it. So I know that gets pretty prolific in the summertime. So Denny, what you're going to want to do for sure to get ahead of it is, uh, properly timed pre-emergent, like in early March, I would say to mid-March in the spring, okay. Th that's going to combat a lot of it. Do that. And I know it's, it's spreading by seed. Yanking it out is an option if you're not super, super overwhelmed. But for now, just spraying it with, with any chemical is going to be good. But stopping the slow of it by doing that pre-emergent in the spring is where you're really, really going to benefit. 
Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm glad you called about that one. It's an annoying one. A mimosa tree is pretty, but the mimosa weed, it it can't stop, won't stop for sure. Thanks so much for the call. Time to take a break. We're going to check traffic and weather. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. It's got Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. So I don't know who else saw sprinkles yesterday, but on my way back home from Chateau Alon, maybe about 5 or 6 p.m., it was sprinkling on the windshield, which I thought was weird. But today, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Partly cloudy, increasing clouds throughout the day. It's going to be a high of 84 again. And tomorrow, the scattered showers start to creep in, leading to rain Monday, Tuesday. High tomorrow of 82. Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. This is a fun one. I did this last year. Number one, plant garlic from an unpeeled clove. It's very easy to grow in the garden. So now through September is a good time to plant that in Georgia. You can find out how to plant it uh, when you look it up online, maybe through the University of Georgia Extension. But unpeeled, pointed side up, not very deep. Uh, irrigated immediately after planting. You've got to wait months, though. That's the thing, like May or June at least. Number two, it's a good time to be composting. The fall produces the perfect ingredient for compost. What is that? Leaves. So when you run over the leaves, mulch the leaves, they break down into the soil and they add nutrients and improving the soil quality. When you mulch them over with a mower, you add them to the compost bin. And remember, you've got to have the balance of greens and browns in your compost. So greens are things high in nitrogen, like the kitchen scraps and grass clippings. And then brown adds carbon. So you've got leaves, maybe small limbs and cardboard. And number three, are you growing pumpkins? I'm going to try. Keep them mulched to keep out the weeds and scout for squash bugs and vine borers. It's best to avoid insecticides, though, because the flowers that grow on those vines need the pollinators. And speaking of mulch, I think Daniel and Decula's got a question. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, to have a quick question, I have my uh, social grass. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it, but... Beautiful grass is uh, very thick. My grass, it looks perfect. But the problem that I'm having is that it crawls and it goes into my mulching area where I have my trees. I continue to pull it by hand and killing it with a, a, a grass killer, uh, like Roundup. Mm-hmm. But it just continues to uh, crawl, crawl and invade all those areas. So that's that's, a, <laughs> that's a good and a, and a bad problem because Zoysia is known for the runners and being able to spread that way to fill in bare spots and all of that. But, yeah, it can often go into the beds where you don't want it. It goes over the curb and starts to look a little messy in the gutter. So I would keep fighting it back, Daniel, with, you know, glyphosate or a non-selective product. Just please apply that carefully and on a day that is not windy. But also think about maybe doing a border around your beds. If you could maybe do like a plastic border that may be, you know, three to four inches high, something decorative. But it's also going to be a little practical Um, in that it will keep it from, you know, it'll just stop it right where it's going into the beds. And also, if if it's kind of just contained to a certain side of the bed, perhaps leveling a little more mulch on top of that, and it'll just smother the runners out. Um, But I think you're doing the best thing that you can as far as just using kind of a a pesticide or a uh, rather a herbicide to kind of keep that at bay. But consider a border around the bed. Thanks so much for the call. We'll be right back. It's Ashley Frasca. It's Green and Growing on WSB. 
Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Another great Saturday morning, folks. I am so happy to be here with you on Green and Growing. Thanks for stopping in. A lot of garden knowledge and garden topics, timely things to be doing. And, of course, your calls to the show, 404 872 0750. Those are always welcome. And Walter Reeves hosted this show on this very station for 26 years, and I'm so glad he comes back to be a part of the show every Saturday morning. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Hey, Ashley, good morning. I got to talk about something you should not be doing this time of year. Don't do this. I saw an example of this yesterday. Somebody had pruned a, I guess it was Laura Pedlin, shrub, and they had pruned it by the shearing. They're, you know, hay trimmers out and shear the top off of it and the side off of it. That is the wrong thing to do to any shrub at this time of year. When you shear a shrub now in October, you end up with new growth of a couple of months for the next couple of three weeks, and then you get that frost in November, and they'll mm-hmm. kill all that new growth. It would look horrible on the shrub itself. It wastes all that energy that the shrub had anyway. So don't shear shrubs now. It's wrong time of the year to do it. That's good advice. And I always used to kind of get that logic confused. And I talked to you about this years ago when I was producing and answering phones for you. Like, I thought that you didn't want to prune them going into the cold months because the cuts were leaving it vulnerable. But it's not so much the cuts that you've made as it is, like you said, the new growth. You're telling it to grow. And that's the part of the plant that has frost damage, right? Exactly. What not to do this weekend, folks. You put the hedge trimmers <laughs> down, put the pruners down. down. It's okay. But now, something we are going to talk about, here we are the first weekend of October. Um, I had Clint Waltz on the show just a couple of weeks ago, our friend, turfgrass specialist and PhD, yeah. uh, University of Georgia Extension, and you know went down to the Griffin campus and got to hang with him over the summer. But we talked a lot about timing things right for your lawn and pre-emergent. So tell folks mm-hmm. what that is and why it's so important. A pre-emergent is a chemical that you can put in the ground that will keep weed seeds, or any seed, really, any seed from germinating. And that is particularly important in the fall because winter weeds, like annual bluegrass, henbit, uh, chickweed, all those winter weeds will germinate if you don't put a pre-emergent down. And then you got all those weeds to deal with next spring unless you put a pre-emergent down. So right now, a great time to put pre-emergent chemicals down, weed preventer chemicals down. And is this okay for cool season and warm season grasses? So meaning both like tall fescue and Bermuda and centipede? Yep, yep. Doesn't hurt any grass at all. It just hurts weeds or any seed that germinates. <laughs> now, if you're planting fescue, of course, it will keep those fescue seeds from coming up too. So don't plant fescue if you're putting down a pre-emergent. It is a good idea to fill in the bare spots and all of that in the fall when you're seeding or overseeding tall fescue. Um, but which yeah. which do you do first? I mean, if you're going to seed, do you go ahead and hurry up and seed? Or do you do the pre-emergent first to get ahead of the weeds, but then you got to wait at least six or eight weeks before you do the yeah, grass yeah, seed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's better to, if you if you have big holes that you want to fill up with fescue uh, plants, I think it's better to lay off the pre-emergent completely. If you get both of them out there at the same time or close to the same time, you run into real problems with uh, seeds just weakened from the residual effects of the pre-emergent. So I would rather you put the seed out, culture that, culture the grass, 
fertilize it correctly, and they'll we'll worry on next spring. Maybe use this is pre-emergent in the early spring or post-emergent, maybe in the early, early spring too. Yeah, post-emergent always a good option. Um, there's a ton of yeah. products that you can you know spot spray and treat specifically for the weeds you're targeting. But yeah, man, sure. over the summer, I had more than I could have sprayed, and I mean they just like dayflower. I had creeping oh, yeah. Charlie. But yeah. once you start on this cycle of applying a pre-emergent herbicide at least twice a year, how long do you think it should take before we really see results? We're never going to have zero weeds, right? But, I mean, how yeah, long before you really zero, get a lush lawn? You have a lot of seeds that stay in the soil for as many as two or three years. And so that seed bank gradually diminishes if you're regular about putting a pre-emergent out. So you'll see results in one year, maybe good results in two or three and a pre-emergent herbicide, for those that don't know, it is a granule. So you put it down, maybe in a spreader, yep. right? Is that how you'd recommend it? That's right. Yeah, sure. And you water it in. Actually, you put it down, you water it in to activate the chemical. It makes a little shield in the soil against weed seeds. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore. But I had a coworker ask Walter about wanting to do uh, pre-emergent in his Bermuda, which is fine. Yeah. But did okay. he did he need to aerate? Do you need to really work up that soil before you do it? You do it before you put the pre-emergent down because you don't want to make aeration holes. It would be a place for weed seeds to drop in and get past the guard, past the shield. So I guess the best time to aerate would be before you put a pre-emergent down, put the pre-emergent down after you aerate. Do you even have to aerate? You don't have to. Some soils are pretty soft to begin with, but then there you have to people who have houses that are built on the subsoil, and the ground is just never really, really soft. So if you get a screwdriver out there and push it into the ground, it takes a lot of effort to push the screwdriver into the ground. The same effort it takes for a root of a, of a grass to plant to grow. So it's a good idea to aerate if, you grass, if your soil is hard. And if you're going to aerate, be sure to do it after it's rained when the soil is soft. So the aerator times really go down into the ground. It's running over to penetrate a half an inch. It doesn't do anything for the soil. It doesn't do anything at all. So aerate after it rains, after you irrigate to make sure the soil is soft and it times you really penetrate. I've got kind of a, a bad metaphor for you, but uh, follow me here if this makes sense. So you've got people uh, who are really good at one thing because they concentrate their efforts and their focus on that one thing. And then you have people yeah. who try to do multiple things, but they don't do those two or three things as well because they're spreading themselves so thin. So does that same concept apply to the products in the big box store or the products in the nursery where, yeah, it's a pre-emergent herbicide and it's a this and this and this. It's a fertilizer. It's a, you know, so like, Mm. do we stay away from those two in one or three in one products when we're talking about preventing weeds or are those okay? I do not think it's the best practice to put it weed feed and I know you tell there's a lot of mean kinds of weed and feed. I'm sure I love the friends pike so weed and feeds too. Mm-hmm. But really I would rather you put the fertilizer down when it's the timing is right fertilizer. There's different times when fertilizer probably you put down. And put the pre emergent down when it's supposed to be put down. Or the post emergent when it's supposed to be put down. Put them together together in other means it's gonna be a timing issue. And it's rather separated two of them. Yeah, we certainly don't want anything with a fertilizer product in it, you know, for Bermuda and warm season grasses. Those are going to start trying to go dormant. Yeah, right. With some of those products, do they advertise as not only a weed preventer, but a fertilizer? And don't some of them have a post-emergent too, meaning they're going to kill the broadleaf weeds and stuff that are up right now? Yeah, some of them do, but I still wish you'd... I still think it's better to separate the two things. I know we have products called winterizers, and winterizers are really 
supposedly put down in the fall before winter comes. Mm. And a lot of people misinterpret the label and think, oh, well, it's wintertime. <laughs> I put fertilizer on my Bermuda and any other grass, or all the water season grasses anyway, can absorb any nutrients after the soil temperatures get down below 60 or 70 degrees. It's getting real soon right now, so there's really no need to put fertilizer down on the warm season grasses. So what products are we looking at? I know one that you said over the years, Scott's makes a product called HALTS. It's crabgrass oh, preventer, course, right, I think sure. kind of like a blue and white bag. Um, that's good. Sure. And, and that says preventer on the label. So we obviously know where we're going with that. Uh, Clint Waltz named off some other ones, too. But what would your go-to, go-to ones that's be? That's what you got. Pendamethylone. There's MSAP here. Is Balin one, B-A-L-E? Oh, yeah, Balin is one. Arisalin is one, too. So, again, early in the morning, my brain didn't work so good this morning. So, look on the bags. It says pre-emergent or weed preventer or crabgrass. Even though it says crabgrass preventer, it'll still prevent bluegrass and other weeds, too. You know, I think I know what you needed. I mean, I think you started off this segment right out of the gate, but you said you're a little slow to wake up. Listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> Okay, slowly removing the the sound effect from the microphone. There's this guy that texted me the worst TikTok video of this god-awful rooster crowing. (laughs) He just sounds like he's going to get out of batteries. (laughs) So that was the alarm I was going to wake you up to. That's what you missed. (laughs) I needed it this morning. Sure, I sure did. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Wow, the stuff you can find on TikTok, I swear. Um, (laughs) Okay, so tell us more about your website Because for years, answering phones for your show I was so pleased when folks were just so happy With the customer service you provided Because you have this awesome calendar Or multiple calendars on your website available To remind us when to do what And you better believe a weed preventer is on there And you know, that's one of the first Articles that I have on my homepage is the website walterese.com is fescue planting one, two, three. It says exactly how to plant fescues in this season. It's the perfect season to plant fescue, sod or seed. All you need is a one, two, three guide, and I tell you exactly what to do at walterese.com. Yep, and also type lawn care calendar. Those are what I was referring to, whether you have Bermuda, St. Augustine, Centipede, anything. Lawn care calendar, Walter and the University of Georgia Extension has put those calendars out. Man, they are helpful. I mean, I print it off, tape it to the side of the shelf in the garage, and that's a great reference if you don't know what you're doing with your lawn or maybe you have a new lawn to you, one you've never had. Boy, that's helpful. When to put lime down, when to water, how high to mow your lawn. That's really important for fescue and for How high you mow is a really critical thing to know. What kind of grass do you have at your house? I used to have a lot of St. Augustine. Now it's mostly Mondo grass over in the shade. Oh. And a patch of St. Augustine is starting to stay on right by the street. But right now, Mondo grass, because it's shady. Isn't Mondo wonderful? You don't have to do a lot to it's, it. It's just wonderful. I mow it. Maybe twice in the summertime. It's deep green. It's in mm-hmm. the shade. It covers it. I just can't tell you how good it looks. I said to have mondo grass rather than turf grass. It would struggle with the shade. It's so lush, too. So when you mow it, do you have the yeah. blade height as high as it'll go? Pretty much. I have one notch down as high as it'll go. It's pretty high, yeah. And then what do you do as far as having it fill in? You know, I mean, if someone wanted to start a Mondo lawn, it's it's not a quick, yeah. quick process. But how did you do it? How did you get it established? 
uh, hired two teenage boys. I said, boys, here's how you plant bundle grass. Go get some, plant it. And when they come again, I said, boys, go plant with more bundle grass. Every time they show up all summer long, go, boys, go plant more bundle grass. Wow. Where'd you get the sprigs from? Uh, I had a patch in the backyard. Just moved around. Really dark. Cause you have a patch that you, it's real thick. You dig it parts around the edge of it and mm. spread them out. And have, you know, lots and lots of little bitty sprigs. That's what I was told them to do, plant sprigs. And then do you fertilize to help kind of speed the process along of its spreading? Uh, I put some millorganite on it. Millorganite ah. has a real slow-release fertilizer. Yeah. It seems to really work for bondo grass. Millorganite, good stuff. I'm inspired. Mondo grass. I mean, we just spent all this time talking about lawn, lawn and turf, <laughs> but heck, I'm sold on Mondo. I know it's so lush and so green and so pretty. So it doesn't have seed. Well, it does have seed, but you don't buy the seed. You can only plant it by sprigs. And it's not a grass, really. It's a... A lily, but uh, it's called Mondo grass because it looks like grass and it really does great in the shade. Wow, what a great thing. Well, hey, thanks for the knowledge and the reminder and the timely advice for the pre-emergent, the weed preventer doing that in the lawns now. Trust me, folks, you'll save yourself a lot of a headache in the winter and in the spring if you do this now. So, Walter, we'll have you back next Saturday. WalterReeves.com and we'll see you next Saturday. Do it. Go now. WalterReeves.com and we'll be back. You have time to take a break. It's 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Thank you, Scott. Got a couple of minutes here to update you on the weather. Brought to you by Findlay Roofing. Partly cloudy today, increasing clouds, high of 84. And tomorrow, scattered showers move in, a high of 82. Green, Green and Growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. So you got your pumpkin seeds in weeks ago and they're growing. Keep them mulched to keep the weeds out. And also while you're there, look for squash bugs and vine borers and try not to use insecticides in the area if you don't need to because the remaining flowers need the pollinators. Number two, it's a good time to start composting. The fall season produces the perfect ingredient for compost. It's free, it's cheap, it's in abundance leaves. Falling leaves break down into the soil, adding nutrients. They improve the soil quality. Just mulch over them with a mower first, crush them somehow, add them to the compost bin. You have to have the balance of greens, the things high in nitrogen in your compost, like the kitchen scraps, the grass clippings, plant pieces, nothing with any disease on it though, and certainly nothing that's been treated with any chemicals. And then the brown material, which provides the carbon, like the dead leaves, small limbs, cardboard, that kind of thing. Number three, plant garlic from an unpeeled clove. It's easy to grow in the garden. It just takes a lot of patience because it's going to take up your real estate for seven months, maybe. It's going to take a while. Now through November is the perfect time to plant. It's frost hardy. It matures in early summer. You just want to plant them one to three inches deep, six inches apart. Stuff you get from the grocery store, easy to do. And mulch, that'll protect it from severe cold and help conserve moisture, irrigate right as you put it in the ground. All right, coming up, I want to talk to you about the Joro spider, something a lot of you are seeing, and your calls, all of your calls, 404-872-0750. It's Green and Growing on WSB.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.